Well, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Good Sunday morning to all of you. May the Lord bless you. If you have your Bibles, find your place in the Old Testament book of Lamentations. It is uh, Jeremiah's second book, right after the large book by the prophet Jeremiah. If you're a guest with us here today, we're honored to have you. I'm Pastor Mike. We're delighted that you would make your way to be with us. May the Lord bless you for being with us. And may you be encouraged by the Word of God and by the fellowship with all of our people. And please let us know if we can do anything for you in any way. And may the Lord bless you in these days. We've been speaking for some time about revive us again. The importance of understanding what revival really means. The word revival is seen all through the Old Testament. It is a word that means to bring us to life. And that's something all of us need every day of our life. We need to experience new life in Jesus Christ. And so we've been talking about revival, revival in our personal lives and revival in our church. We've been praying and asking God to bring revival. And so today we finish this uh, time that I've wanted to spend with you, uh, talking with us and challenging us all to consider and think about revival. Ever since the days we've been back together and we were uh, beginning to gather ourselves together here for public worship. We've been focusing on this truth of revival. So today we, we're going to read beginning in Lamentations chapter 5. And I'd like for you to stand now and honor the reading of God's word. And I'm going to read some select verses from Lamentations chapter 5. Lamentations chapter 5. This is the prayer of Jeremiah for mercy from God. Lamentations 5.1, remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our reproach. Then if you'll read in verse number 16, the, uh, verse 15, I'm sorry, the joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned into mourning. The, crowd, uh, the crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us. For we have sinned. Because of this, our heart is faint. Because of these things, our eyes are dim. Verse 19. You, O Lord, rule forever. Your throne is from generation to generation. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us so long? Verse 21 will be our focus today. Restore us to you, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old. Again, verse 21. Restore us to you, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old. Heavenly Father, we stand now before you and we pray these words. Restore us to you, O Lord, that we might be restored. And renew our days as of old. We all have great needs here today, Lord. We bring them from our families. We bring them from our own personal relationship with you. We, we, we know that you know what's in our hearts today. Whether we are close to you or whether we are far away from you. You know whether we are a stranger to you or whether we are one of your children. How we pray that today that the Holy Spirit of God would speak to our hearts in the middle of a world of distraction and dread and fear and hatred and anger. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would revive us again, that you would truly 
as we see from Jeremiah's words here today, Restore us to you, O Lord. Restore us to you. May this church experience being restored to you before we ever consider being restored to one another. Restore us to you is what we pray. We ask that the Holy Spirit of God would be our teacher and that we might truly understand what it is that you have to say to us today and leave this place as doers of the word and not hearers only. And we rejoice in all that you have done for us, Lord Jesus, that we might have salvation and that we might have grace and mercy and be restored to you. Oh, the joy of reconciliation to you. And we pray for those who are here who are lost in their sins, that they might know that they can be saved and be restored and reconciled to God. Bless now our time in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So today, as I always seek to do, I want to try and find one focus that I can give my attention to. So my comments will center around this focal truth. And many of you come each week, you know this is the way I like to do it. The focal truth that we're looking at today, especially from verse number 21, Restore us to you, O Lord, that we may be restored, renew our days as of old, is this, that the repentance of godly sorrow restores and revives us. Repentance of godly star, sorrow restores and revives us. Now this is where we started <clears throat> some months ago as we began to talk about the importance of experiencing personal and corporate revival in our church. We must experience being restored to God, reconciled to God, so that we might have new life and revival. Being quickened again, the old King James says. Quickened, that God would quicken us, revive us again. And there's not a one of us that doesn't need to pray that prayer often in our lives. The world beats us down. We feel the pressures and troubles and struggles of our life. We have all the ups and downs that come with life. And God is at work doing many things in our world today as we've spoken of. But oh, how we need to remember. So I come back and end where I began. The repentance of godly sorrow restores and revives. So I want to ask you several questions as we begin. Do you think that God disciplines his people when they sin? Well, there certainly seems to be an example of that in the Old Testament. And we're reminded in the New Testament that God disciplines us if we're a child of God for our good. So that we might share in his holiness and that we might be effective for, for him in our work in the world. So what is going on during these days? Oh, it may be unexplainable. <clears throat> uh, the opinions from the medical people may alter and change day by day as they learn more. We, we go through these times together, but oh, the Lord uses these times to train and discipline us to be his people. So will we share the gospel? Will we do what we've been called to do? Will we live for Jesus? Will we walk with God? You see, yes, the Lord disciplines us and he, had, he was greatly disciplining his people here in the book of Lamentations. One of the saddest books in all the Bible, it is called Lamentations. It is a lament from verse 1 all the way to the end. In fact, the sad words that end this book, unless you have utterly rejected us and are exceedingly angry with us. Oh, the lamentation. Oh, the cry. 
Oh, the burden of Jeremiah. He saw it all through his ministry. He saw the complete destruction of the nation of Israel because of their unwillingness to repent of their sins. And the destruction was great in the city of Jerusalem. You see, when we sin, there must be sadness for our sin. I ask you today, are you sad when you sin? I've asked you that repeatedly. Uh, do you have sadness when you sin? And what does your sadness lead you to do? Does it just lead you to regret? I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't thought that. I wish I hadn't gone there. Or does it lead you to say, God, I have sinned against you. <clears throat> this is what I've said. This is where I've gone. This is what I've done. That is the difference in regret for sin and godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Well, you see, there's a great contrast that takes place. And I'm going to ask you to keep your Bible open to Lamentations. I'm going to walk you through these chapters quickly. But I want you to see this together. Because this is a very interesting truth. You see that the people of God were crying in their sorrow in their sin. They cried because of their distress. They cried because of their sin. But they did not repent. But the prophet repents in godly sorrow and he confesses his sin and the sin of the people. There's the difference. <clears throat> Most of us at times in our life are regretful and sad when we sin. But do we repent of our sins? We've seen example, example, example of this through these days together of considering revival and reviving us again. If there's ever going to be renewal and restoration to God, I must experience repentance in my heart over the sadness of my sin that grieves me to the place that I will confess it to God. Now, we will see today three observations that I want to make to you from these words, and I've got them here on the screen for you. First of all, I want to comment for a moment about how the people lived in sorrowful regret for their sinfulness, <clears throat> but they did not repent. The prophet, however, cried to God in godly sorrow for his sins and for the sins of the people. <clears throat> and then the prophet prays, as we've seen time and time again, he prays this intercessory prayer for the people of God and for himself that God would restore and renew God's people in their relationship with him. First of all, we read here, the people, we read in, let me go, let me ask you to go back to chapter one, verses seven and eight. And we read here these words that are describing Jerusalem's cry to God. Lamentations 1, 7, in the days of her affliction and homelessness, Jerusalem remembers all her precious things that were from the days of old. Now you notice in the verse that I read to you that is the prayer for renewal and revival, <clears throat> Jeremiah said, Restore us to you, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old. Here they're not crying about wishing they could go back to the good old days. They're describing the days, listen, when they were close and walked with God. The days of old. You see, they remembered God's blessings in the days of old. Jerusalem remembers all her precious things that were from the days of old. Do you remember the days when you first came to know Jesus Christ? 
Do you remember what it was like, the sweetness and joy of knowing Jesus? You didn't have a lot of head knowledge, but you had a heart full of joy because you knew that you'd been forgiven of your sins. You knew that you were a new creature in Christ. You knew that you had been saved from your sin and the bondage of sin broken in your life. The days of old I'm talking about for you, my friend. Do you remember those days? Well, Jerusalem <clears throat> remembers all her precious things that were from days of old. They remembered also their sinfulness. They greatly sinned. Jerusalem, verse 8, greatly sinned. Therefore, she has become an unclean thing. All who honor her despise, all who honored her despise her because they have seen her nakedness. Even she herself groans and turns away. Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, living in sinful regret of their sinfulness. They complained bitterly of their condition in verse 20. See, Lord, for I am in distress. That's where your sin will leave you, my friend. You'll never find lasting joy in your sin. What is it that the Bible tells us? We sin and for a season there seems to be happiness in it. But oh, the sadness that comes at the end when we face our sin and listen, the consequences of our sin. You see, Jerusalem says, See, O Lord, for I am in distress. My spirit is greatly troubled. That's what sin does in my life unconfessed. It troubles me. My heart is overturned within me, for I have been very rebellious. Oh, what sadness, what grief, what pain comes <clears throat> when we live in our sin Sinful regret without repentance brings such stress and trouble and overturned troubled hearts. They also remembered God's promises from the preaching of the prophets that there was going to be judgment if God's people did not repent. We read it in Lamentations 2 verse 17. Lamentations 2 17, the Lord has done what he promised or purposed. He has accomplished His Word, please notice, which He commanded from days of old. Prophet after prophet after prophet came on the scene. Generation after generation was warned by every prophet. Turn back to God. Turn away from your sinfulness. <clears throat> Repent of your sin. Grieve for it and confess it and return to God. The Lord has done what He purposed. He has accomplished His word. Judgment is now devastating Jerusalem. All the temple, all the people, everything scattered. Such famine, such destruction. If you've ever read the book of Lamentations, it will, it will burden you and grieve you to see how horrible and terrible the conditions had become in Jerusalem. Why, this is the place why not many months ago I preached right here to you from David, excuse me, Solomon dedicating the temple that his father David wanted to build but was not allowed to build. Solomon prays and dedicates the temple in Jerusalem and the glory of God filled that place. Oh, we're far away from the days when, the days of old when David, uh, David had wished that the, the temple would be built and Solomon built it and the glory of God filled it. Now we're in these days of great famine and devastation and death and terror and dread and misery in the city of Jerusalem. And all is gone. And the Lord has accomplished 
what He said He would do. God always fulfills His promises. And the, they remembered God's promises of judgment if they did not repent in days of old. That's the world of sinful regret. And for some of you today, that's the world you're living in. And you've lived in the world of sinful regret for a long time in your life. You've lived with regret, but you will not, you will not confess it and come to God. Well, we see the change, though, in Jeremiah. In chapter 3, we have a different word here. The first word in the first sentence of Jeremiah 3 is this, I. He speaks of himself. The prophet cries in godly sorrow to God. I am the man who has seen affliction because of the rod of his wrath. You see, here we see the prophet admitting that God was disciplining him. He was the man who saw affliction because of God's wrath. Yes, God disciplines us. He has driven me, verse 2, and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely against me he has turned his hand repeatedly all day. Jeremiah describes the pain, the pain of being disciplined by God. Oh, but it's pain we need, my friends. It is the pain that is necessary if we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ and be God's people in a world we must experience and accept and admit the affliction that comes in our life many times being used by God to discipline us. He asks God to remember him in his afflictions. Look at verse number 19 of chapter 3. Remember my afflictions and my wandering, the wormwood and the bitterness. You see, this is the way, this is the way Jeremiah cries. He says to the Lord, Lord, I, I want you to remember me in my affliction. I want you to remember me in my wanderings and in my bitterness. I want you to remember me. He asked God to remember him. And then he remembers himself, God's great love and faithfulness. Look at this beautiful picture. He says, remember my affliction, verse 19. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. I remember my affliction, but then he recalls something else to his mind. Verse 21. He has hope. Why? These are famous verses I'm about to read. Many of you quote them. Many of you have taught them. Many of you have prayed them. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease. For his compassion never fail. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Aren't you glad the Lord's loving kindness never ceases? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that the Lord's compassions, not one time being compassionate, His multiple compassions never fail? Aren't you glad that the compassions of the Lord have never failed on you in all of these days? Aren't you glad that they are new every morning and that God is faithful to you and to me in all the circumstances we face? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad, church? You see, this is what, this is what draws this man of God <clears throat> to be able to repent. He repents in godly sorrow and his affliction because he recognizes the faithful love of God. He recognizes God's eternal, permanent compassion. 
He understands God's permanent faithfulness to him. And so what does he do? He goes on and in verse number 40, here's what he says. He says, let us examine and probe our ways and let us return to the Lord. What do I do if I'm going to get right with God? Well, I have to turn and I have to look at myself. <clears throat> you know, there are a lot of people who spend a lot of time talking about somebody else. Did you know that? A lot of people spend a lot of time talking about somebody else. I guess it's easier to talk about somebody else. It's easier to look at what they should do, how they should live, how they should conduct themselves. It's easier to just look at somebody else and say, well, now look at them. They ought to really shape it up. They ought to do a better job. They ought to be closer to God. They ought to be whatever it is. But oh, it's hard, my friend, to turn the Word of God like a mirror on yourself and say, I am going to examine. Oh, I love what Jeremiah says here. He uses a very interesting word here in verse 40. It was a hunting word. It is to search carefully. Let us examine and probe our ways. You see, my heart is deceitful and so is yours. Exceedingly wicked. Who can know it? So you know what I have to do? I have to really work hard to examine what's really inside of me. And so do you. You know those secret things that you do when you think no one else sees you, but God does. You know those things you think. You know those, you know those lusts and desires that go through your mind. You know, you know what you've, you know those places you go when you think nobody else saw you. Oh, how we must learn. This is the, this is it. This is the changing point. We must come to the place where we say what Jeremiah says. Let us examine and probe our ways. And then what happens? And let us return to the Lord. When I examine my ways, you know what I say? Oh my, I'm far away from God. When I probe my ways, I start looking at what I'm doing what I'm spending my time on, what I'm saying, what I'm thinking. And I, 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 I'm, I'm just like the man, the prodigal that the Lord Jesus talked about who ran away from his parents, ran away from his father, took all of his money, spent it all, ends up in the pigsty and comes to himself. When I probe my ways, this is the way I come to myself. This is the way I must be honest with myself. If I'm ever going to experience revival and renewal in my life, I must be willing to examine and probe my ways, and then I can return to the Lord. Well, because of that, now the prophet prays for God to restore and renew him and the people of God. So I turn now to chapter 5 for a moment. Notice this. He confesses his sin in verse number 16. The crown has fallen from our head Woe to us, for we have sinned. That's what happens when you sin. The crown falls from your head. You think that you're living with all the good things. Everything's right. You're riding high. Everything is wonderful. The crown has fallen from our head. Because we have sinned, everything good that God has given to us We've turned our back on and we've sinned against him. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us for we have sinned. That's what it sounds like to repent. Woe to us 
Because we have sinned. When God's people and God's church say that together, God begins to do things. Woe to us, not woe to them. They've sinned. Woe to us. We have sinned. He confesses the sin of God's people. He praises God for His glorious, eternal sovereignty and His reign in verse 19. You, O Lord, rule forever. Your throne is from generation to generation. This is why we have hope today. One generation was hard-hearted after another in Israel. But there were always a few from each generation who turned and repented. It's the same today. The generations come and go on the earth until Jesus comes again. And the Lord Jesus reigns forever. He reigns today. He reigns above the virus. He reigns above the hatred. He reigns above all of the wickedness that goes on. He reigns above the godlessness and the injustice. He reigns above it all. He reigns from generation to generation and Jeremiah looks up to say, you are reigning, though we are in affliction and we deserve it for our sin. You rule, you reign, and you accomplish your purposes in the world. I hope you can pray that in these days in which we live. I hope that you recognize and you're not twisting your hands in worry and hoping that man finds all the solutions. I hope that today you are able to say, this is the, this is the prayer of the repentant. The prayer of the repentant is, Lord, you rule forever. You rule forever. So what does he say? Restore us. Because you rule, restore us. And notice what he says. Restore us to you. Restore us to you. My dear friends, if I could in language describe to you the importance of this. This is the whole point of being saved. Being reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. It is a restored relationship. When we've, broke, when we've lived our life in wickedness and sin, gone our own way, cared nothing about God, didn't even believe there was a God, but oh, we find ourselves in the depths of our pain and sin, out there all alone. Nobody shows up to help us. What do we do? We need someone to help us understand how to be reconciled to God. And he asked God to restore he asked God to restore him and the people to God. He asked God to do the work of restoring. Look at this. Return us to you. You do the work, God. I'm not able to do it. I'm too weak. I can't do it every time I try to turn and come back to you. We must rely upon the power of God. Restore us to you, O Lord, that we may be restored. Restoration comes as God's power works. He asks God to renew as in the days of old. Renew as in the days of old. What does it mean? It means to be saved. Save us like you did before, Lord. Protect us like you did before. Provide for us like you did before. Be patient and forgiving to us like you were before. Be with us as you were before. Perhaps these words are the most important words you could pray today to change your life in the midst of these horrible, terrible days we live in. Restore us to you, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old. I ask you at the beginning, I ask you again, are you as close to God as you were when you were first saved? 
Or have you gone, like our old song says, I've wandered far away from God. You're a long way from where you were when you started with the Lord, when He set your heart on fire, when you got saved, wherever it was. Do you remember the place? Do you remember the time when you got before God, confessed your sin and said, I am a sinner and I must be saved and I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, the joy that came to your life. Oh, the victory that came to your life. Do you remember that day? Do you remember that day? Well, my friend, that's what it's like to be reconciled to God, free from my sin, able to start new, be a new person with a new mind, restored, going in a new relationship with God. Here are all the things we've said before about this matter of being restored to God. Uh, I've, I've spoken on every one of these subjects in the last weeks and months. Psalm 80, verse 3, O God, restore us. And cause your face to shine on us, and we will be saved. Psalm 85, 4, Restore us, O God of our salvation, and cause your indignation toward us to cease. Psalm 51, 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Habakkuk 3, 1, Revive your work in the midst of the years. Lamentations, 521, restore to us, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old. So we see here that the prophet prays for restoration. We must do the same. So how will we apply this to our lives? That's what we read from God's Word. I have just a few things I'd like for you to remember as we finish today. Please hear me on these quickly before we go. They're all very important. I share these with you as your pastor. I love you in the Lord Jesus, but these are important words. This is how we now come to take what we learn from God's Word and apply it in our life. First of all, let me remind you that sadness for sin is not repentance for sin. There is a difference. I might have great grief for my sin and regret, but I never turn to God and pray and say, Lord, I've sinned. I must examine my ways and return to you. You see, I might, I might be like the children of Israel, complaining here about the distress of my sin, but never turning back to God for relief of my distress from my sin. Sadness for sin is not repentance for sin. You know, we may be sad we said those things about those people. We may be sad that we did a certain thing we shouldn't have done or treated someone like we did. But there's a difference between being sad we did it and doing something about it. And so here we see the sadness for sin is not repentance. It's, it's an illustration that we see between the prophet and the children of Israel. Pain from God's discipline is for our good. Pain is for our good. That's what we must remember in these days of affliction that we find ourselves in. We're discomforted. We're out of our rhythm. We don't have our schedules. We don't know what's going on. Uh, there is truly sickness uh, around us. There are things that are happening that are troublesome. But you see, God is using these things to make us more like Jesus, who are His people. But the pain of it is God's discipline for our good. God disciplines us for our good that we might share in His holiness, Paul reminds us. Sorrow for sin has a memory of sin. You see, the sad thing is some who sin have no memory of their sin. But you see, when there is sorrow for sin, it's the memory of sin. You look back on it and you, you would do anything 
not to go to that place again. But you see, the joy of godly sorrow is that memory comes, you bring it to the Lord. And here's the good news. The Lord forgives us of our sin. Aren't you glad to know that today? He doesn't hold it against you. Keep it. He forgives us of our sin. God never stops restoring those who are repenting. Isn't that good news? When I repent and when I come to Him and I confess my sin, He restores. Restoring me as I'm repenting. Restoring me as I'm repenting. That's the story of my life and your life as followers of Jesus. A holy heart mourns over sin. And finally, God renews the repentant like the first days of salvation. It's always good when you've been a Christian for a long time to get around new Christians. Did you know that? They have a different feel. They have a different joy. They haven't been, they haven't been uh, inoculated like all the old time saints and lost their joy. They're joyous. They're happy. They're victorious. And they believe God can do anything. There's nothing better than being around a new believer because it reminds us of what God wants to do in your life and mine again. Renewal. Making it just like the first days you were saved. Well, for daily use, for things for you to do as we go and for me to do, what do we do? Well, it's obvious. Examine your sorrow. Is it godly sorrow? If you're sad today, ask yourself this question. Why am I sad? Are you just sad, like I said the other day, because you can't because you can't go to your favorite restaurant when you want to go? Are you sad? What are you sad about? What's the nature of your sadness? Are you just sad about the, the, the daily things in our life that are interruptions? Or is there true sadness and sorrow because you have sinned against God and against others? Examine your ways and remember what the Lord Jesus said to the church in Revelation. Do the deeds you did when you were first saved. Do the first works. Do the deeds you did at first. And finally, trust God's faithful love. He will restore you, my friend. As we repent, He restores and He renews and He gives us joy. What did Paul say? I'm going to close with Paul's words. In 2 Corinthians, they're so good, they remind us of salvation in Jesus Christ. Let me just read them and then we'll close. 2 Corinthians, these are familiar words to most of you in this room today. 2 Corinthians 5.17, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians 5.18 Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to Himself. Restoration. Through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely that God was in Christ, verse 19, reconciling the world to Himself. That's what's going on today in the world. The Lord is at work. He is reconciling men and women, boys and girls, to Himself. One of our people is involved in Billy Graham Association uh, phone lines and talks with people all the time from her home who call in to talk about what it means to be saved. And thousands of people have called that number and have been saved. They've prayed to receive Christ. What is God doing in the midst of the world? Well, there's no news broadcast about it, but He is reconciling people to Himself through Jesus Christ. And He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. You know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to say things to people that reconcile people. Listen, not divide them. We're reconcilers. We're here to reconcile. 
We're a part of, we're a part of, we're ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ. What did he say? Be reconciled to God. So if you're here this morning and you're not saved for the first time, you must be reconciled to God. And we'll help you come to understand how to do that. If you're here today as a Christian and you're far away from God, be reconciled to God. This is what we pray. We pray, O oh Lord, restore us to you that we may be restored and renew our days as of old.